Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome back once again to the Corner of Truth and Courage. You're listening now to Fortress of Faith. Folks, um, we major as a great part of our ministry here on calling America back to revival. One of the ministries of the Old Testament prophets would be to warn people of judgment. That's part of the ministry of a prophet. And what they would do often is that they would, uh, you know, get a word from God. God would um, reveal to them that judgment is coming if Israel would continue in their sin, continue in their rebellion against God. And, and then he would prepare instruments of judgment. Sometimes it was a calamity of, of pestilence or famine or some other financial hardship and difficulty that would come upon the nation of Israel. Oftentimes it was an enemy that God raised up. And I believe that's what God has revealed to me, that Islam is becoming uh, the instrument of judgment of Jehovah God on the nations that claim to be believers in him, but have rebelled against him. And I believe that God um, will not wink at our sin. Our sin is great before God, and we continue in it, and we revel in it, and enjoy it, and act as if um, we're too big to fail. Certainly, God is going to continue to bless us because, after all, we're America. We're the mighty Americans. I'm here to tell you, uh, God resists the proud, and uh, trouble will come to, to the proud. And I believe that there is still hope for America, but it's not going to be in the White House. Hope is not going to be in the financial house, in the halls of education. It's not going to be in the science house. The hope for America is in the house of God. But I believe that we need to return back to a holy, righteous God instead of the God of our own making, God of entertainment. We've turned church into an entertainment house, into a place where we are more satisfying our desires rather than the desires of God. We almost mock a holy, righteous God. We don't want to speak of him. We don't want to speak of judgment. We don't want to speak of those things. No, rather, make God our genie, have him scratch our back, give us everything we need and want, have preachers that preach to us chicken soup messages that give us a lift, give us a, a high, and, uh, but don't step on our toes, don't talk about sin and those things. Well, you can talk about sin, but as long as it's the sin of others, not our, sin, not our sins, not our convenient sins. I'm here to tell you God's a holy God, a righteous God. And I long for the day that revival will come. We say we want it, but I dare say that many don't want to do what's involved to bring revival. I want to talk to you about when God steps down. There's an expression that's used by those who experience revival. One of the things that they talk about is an awakening. It's almost like God arrives upon them, about them, around them. They're awakened to the presence of God in such a way like they've never known before. And being aware of the presence of God, then they're also aware of their sin 
and their wretchedness and their vileness and their the enormity of their crimes before God. They can't hide from it. It's like they're standing there naked, and they want to cover it up, but they can't. And it just brings great grief upon them to stand before a holy and a righteous God. It's interesting when the glory of God comes upon us. Exodus chapter 40, verse 35, we see that during the dedication of the tabernacle, that the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the glory of God came upon them, it was to such an extent they couldn't even enter into it, that his glory filled it. Exodus 40, verse 35 says, And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Same thing happened again in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1, when Israel was dedicating their first temple. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and get this, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. I'm here to tell you, when the glory of God comes upon us, it's hard to be in his presence. His presence is too mighty and too glorious and too holy and too righteous. And and, and our presence, we can't be there. We, we just cannot stand before God. Verse 3 says, And when the children of Israel saw how the fire came down in the glory of the Lord, uh, was upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord. You know, some people talk about God coming down to visit with them. Some of these preachers, I think, arrogantly think that they can have this communication with Jesus. I've heard some preachers say, well, one day I was shaving him. And God showed up in my in my bathroom while, you know, what did you do? I kept on shaving. We just had us a time. Now, you may have with your God, but the God of heaven, I doubt it. When the glory of God departed from Israel, it was interesting is that in Ezekiel, we find that the glory of the Lord leaves Israel. But the priests kept saying when they went into the temple and did their sacrifices and they turned and and entered into the Holy of Holies, they would turn and give a report to Israel that the glory of the Lord is, is still here. No, the glory had departed. God had told us that it left in Ezekiel. But the, but the priests kept lying. I'm afraid that many religious people, even preachers of our gospel today, are not speaking the truth. And we wonder why the power of God has left us. I'm here to tell you that we need an awakening again. I want to share with you today and tomorrow, I want to read to you some of the events of yesteryear when, when there were experiences of uh, this awakening when God steps down. In the United States, in our early history, the first awakening came upon our nation, men that God had anointed and used that we speak of with high regard, George Whitfield. John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, preachers who preach God's righteousness, who preach judgment. I want you to listen to some of the firsthand reports of the eyewitnesses that wrote in their journals 
and gave record of what was going on during that time. I've become a student of, of revival because I so desire for that to happen again. And I believe that God can bring revival. I don't believe that our time here in America is over for God to still work amongst us. But it's not going to happen without, uh, without a, uh, a great cost. These witnesses that wrote and gave record of the preaching of Wesley and Whitfield and Jonathan, Jonathan Edwards, they would say these men would often preach two to three hour sermons. I mean, we get upset when the preacher goes over 45 minutes. Dare he go over an hour? My goodness. What was the content of their messages? Well, they preached and exalted the holiness of God. They preached on the law of God. They preached on the righteousness of God. They preached on the justice of God and the wisdom of his requirements and the justice of his wrath and of his anger. They preached out uh, how he would turn. Uh, how they wrote how they uh, how the preachers often turned to sinners and called them out for the enormity of their crimes. They spoke uh, openly of their open rebellion and their treason and their anarchy against God. When they preached these kinds of messages, the power of God would descend upon the company. And as they heard the word of God, they would tremble in fear. I was just listening to um, Leonard Ravenhill talking of some of the revivals uh, of more modern time when God would move among some people there. And people would sit in the back of the churches and they're uh, they, they were under so much conviction that they would, you know, they would be ringing and ripping without really realizing it, the hymnals. And the hymnals would be torn to shreds there as the people were agonizing in their seats as the conviction of God's power came upon them and couldn't wait for the invitation for them to go forward and to fall on their faces before God. I'm here to tell you when the power of God descends, that people fall on their faces before God in shame, in, in guilt, and uh, because of the enormity of their crimes. These writers who witnessed the preaching of Whitfield and Wesley and Edwards reported that on one occasion, 1,800 people were lying on the ground described as being utterly unconscious because that they had received a revelation of the holiness of God. And in the light that they had seen the enormity of their sin, and God had so penetrated their minds and their hearts that they had fallen to the ground, as it was written, of what, these, what happened during these revivals. I'm here to tell you, when you see the awfulness and your wretchedness, when you've been trying to lie to yourself and deceive yourself, I tell you the book of Proverbs chapter 20, something popped out at me here not too long ago. There's some fruit there. Verse 6, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to go off my memory here. But in verse number 6, I didn't plan this to talk about this, 
But it says there that uh, that most men every uh, uh, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. Fact is, is that we tend to, you know, put ourselves in the best light. We want to put ourselves, at, you know, as good people. Uh, then it goes on to say that even children are known by their deeds. You know, we as adults, we've left a trail of deeds, and our actions really reveal who we truly are. We may be selling ourselves a lie. Then it goes on to say this, the, the, uh, how sweet is the bread of deception. That's an interesting thought. How sweet is the bread of deception? What does that mean? I've never met a man in my life who enjoyed being lied to. I certainly don't. And I doubt you have ever enjoyed someone deceiving you. So how can bread be sweet? How can the bread of deception be sweet? Well, I'm here to tell you the deception we sell ourselves. What we feed ourselves, this bread of deception, to us it tastes sweet because we keep fanning the lies and the, and the falsehoods that we're good people and that we're godly people and righteous people when we're not. We keep consuming the sweet bread of deception, trying to tell ourselves the lie. But the fact is, God really knows who we really are. And when he steps down, he's going to pull apart every lie, every deception, every false notion that we have tried to sell ourselves into others and reveal to us who we truly are. And the only thing we can do is fall to our faces and cry out to God for him to have mercy on our souls. My friends, that is what a great awakening is. And oh, how we need it. That's going to be it for today. Please join us again tomorrow as we continue on this subject at the corner of truth and courage. God bless you.